podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. These games are coming thick and fast. This show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, the perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you can get a massive 25% off everything using the coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shields offers free VPN on apps for iOS, Android, Amazon Fire Stick, Mac and Windows. Now, now, like I said, those games are coming thick and fast. Today, we are going to talk about Liverpool's, oh, it's my worst result ever as well, Drow, um, one old draw against Burnley. Oh, so annoying, so frustrating. Plenty of talking points, but it's not about me. Um, I have two incredible guests on. I'm actually so excited to have them on the show. I think it's the first time I've had them on together, or it's been certainly a long time. So you know what? Let's get to the introductions. Um, joining me first um, has been somewhat of a regular guest since I'm a you know project restart on the Premier League. It's an honour to have back the host of the USA podcast, the co-host of the Transfer podcast as well, Justin Wells. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nina. I enjoy guesting on this show in the exact opposite amount that I like uh, watching us have to play against Sean Deitch. <laughs> yeah, you know, you two, you have like some kind of history there. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I just don't like him. I really don't like him. And Burnley is a side that I detest watching. And um, they, they Burnley us today. Yeah, they're repulsive. They're repulsive. But um, joining Justin is a familiar voice. You guys love him. I love him too. Um. He is also, um, I believe, like a co-host to Justin on, on, the, on the baseball podcast. You've heard him on the Ramp podcast. It is the awesome, the incredible Armando Angulo, also part of the USA podcast as well. My God, guys, you guys stay so busy. Welcome to the show, Mando. Thanks. We don't stay that busy because we don't do much of anything you just mentioned. Uh, or at least we haven't been recently, but... With baseball coming back, hopefully me and Justin can talk, chop it up a little bit more. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk a little footy as champions. It's, you know what? I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, I'm not going to lie, um, Mando. I was having second thoughts about having you on this podcast because you don't like Space Raiders. Like, that is just disgraceful. <laughs> well, well Mando... For listeners, Mando came over to watch Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid, and you know we all like kind of got together. It was awesome. We got loads of snacks in and stuff, and I was like, Mando, you need to try my favorite snack ever. I grew up on these, and they were Space Raiders pickled onion flavor. And he had one, and he was literally about to throw up. I was so disgusted with him. They were terrible. I'm sorry. We have different. They're an acquired taste. I'll be. What is a Space Raider? It's disgusting, bro. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you know what? Um, Justin, they like um, they like um, a crisp. Um, you guys call them chips over there. They like a corn crisp. 
and they are like the like for me they were like the ultimate crisp growing up and I was like oh god and then they kind of disappeared and I saw them I was like yeah I'm getting them and he just turned his nose up at them I was just so disgusted you know I, th- I thought he had awesome taste buds and you know with Mexican food with all the spices and all the flavors nah he disappointed me but anyway, Enough of that pickled onion crisp. I'm sure they eat them lots in Burnley. Let's talk about this game. Guys, Um, I want to get your quick reaction and thoughts after that because I think a lot of people, I know we're champions, who cares, but I think a lot of people were quite disgusted with the referee and, and maybe have the game kind of, you know, maybe being a little bit wasteful and things. So, Justin, I will come to you first. I know you don't like Burnley, Um, so talk to me. How do you feel? I mean, I feel like I just watched a game where the other team's uh, tactics were... Don't try to attack, play, hoof the ball long, and when you have opportunities in the box, foul the shit out of the other team's keeper. And I don't feel like that style of play should ever be rewarded with anything, but here we are. Burnley sit 10th in the table, comfortable to stay up with a shot, with an outside shot at Europe. And today they got rewarded for that because of the fact that, you know, there's two things that you can really focus on if you're looking at how Burnley performed against us. First off, Nick Pope was incredible. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Um, the fact that England has a conversation about its goalkeepers that start and that doesn't start and end with Nick Pope is uh, is a problem for the you know the English national team and uh, but it's also just what do you have to do to, to what, what does a what does a Liverpool player have to do to win a penalty against a team that's actively fouling as part of their strategy? Burnley don't like they, Burnley isn't hiding the fact that they're going to try to play very physically. They're going to play. They played very physically in their own area because the ball was in their area a lot. And there's two situations within which there could have been penalty. The, the, probably if it's you know a Manchester-based referee, Manchester refereeing a Manchester United game. You know Bruno is uh, scoring twice from the spot and uh, taking home Player of the uh, Month awards. But you know. Robertson getting cleared out, that's clearly a penalty. Mo Salah getting rugby tackled from behind, clearly a penalty. Um, don't understand how neither of those are given or even looked at again by, B- by VAR. Um, actually, I do understand it because of the fact that the referee, the, the level of refereeing in the, the Premier League is uh, shit. It's basically incompetent. And that's not, why, that's not why we drew this game. We drew this game because of the fact that we didn't finish the many opportunities we had. But it's also part of the narrative has to be just how poor the refereeing is and how much he lets teams, how much in uh, the Premier League teams like Burnley and Crystal Palace and other teams that just, you know, kind of sit in and play very physically defensively um, are allowed to get away with it without any sort of recourse. And Liverpool, a team that tried to play football, gets, gets no help from the referees and it should be the other way around. Uh, fun fact, I've got a matic fun fact. Apparently, if you're champions, you don't get any decisions coming your way. That's good to know. We'll bear that in mind for future years when we clean it up. Mando, I'm going to come to you. I mean, you you started off this podcast saying, hey, we're champions. It's cool. Take it easy. But um, your thoughts on that game? Because I think Justin's hit the nail on the head, you know, in terms of we should have had a few penalties. We didn't get them. Yes, we were wasteful. We will talk about all this. But what are your thoughts after that game? was pretty good I thought uh, the midfield was linking up pretty good especially early on I thought it was nice to see us bet in the young players Curtis Jones getting his first start it was nice to see him finding himself in really good positions in the attacking portion of the field was nice um, he, he's good with the counter press or with pressing as well he looked like he fit in uh, as part of that senior squad uh, sure did he get caught on the ball once or twice yeah but he's a young player um, 
I don't know. I, I think the performance deserved a lot more. The finishing was really sloppy. And I think that's the most frustrating part because that's something that as a team, we can control the penalty shouts, things along those, those lines is something that really is out of your control. It's frustrating. Absolutely. Um, especially when you see the likes of like United and other teams uh, getting penalties for far less than that on a regular basis. Uh, so it is tough, especially, you know, it's frustrating for Mo. We see Mo take punishment on a weekly basis uh, and, and he just doesn't get that sort of luck for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, all in all, I couldn't be aside from the result itself. I was pretty happy with the performance from the team. Um, we'd like to see the finishing be a lot better. Uh, the quality of players we have, the finishing should have been a lot better. Um, you know, but but all in all, I'm not too frustrated, to be honest. It's fair. We're still champions. Nothing's changed. Um, we, we'll kind of talk about, you know, the, the Yeah, it's the hard players. to be angry about anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I know people expect me to be really mad and shit, and I, it's I'm I can't I, I don't know I, I'm over the moon, you know I'm relieved after thirty years, so I think I've I've let off enough steam in past years. Yes, you certainly have, Mando. We and we've got audio proof of it. You know, I mean, if people want, I'll do Mando's best bits and I'll release a podcast. If you guys want it, I'll do it. You know, I'll add I'll add a bit of Justin in there as well for a bit of spice, right? You know what? We do have a caller. Um, anyone that wants to call in, please do let us know. Just you know, just drop us a message in in. Uh, God, where am I? In in Discord. Fucking hell, I'm everywhere. Um, uh, let's go to our first caller. It is a familiar voice. It's Nick Turner. Welcome back, Nick. Hi. Thanks for having me back. How are you guys doing? All right. You know, just a bit annoyed, a bit frustrated, but, you know, still champions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to just say um, first, oh, my God, Space Raiders. I lived on them at college, like 10p a packet when I was back mm-hmm. in college. Yeah, in the college canteen every lunchtime. 20p now. 20 oh, 20p. Oh, my God. Mm. And the bags have gotten smaller. Yep. That's ridiculous. Well, back in the good old days when I was at college, 10p a packet. Lived on them every day in the college canteen at lunchtime. Great stuff. Anyway, as for the game, um, it wasn't a great game, I thought, but um, let's focus on the positives. Um I don't know the final stats, but I know about, I think it showed up on BT Sports about 10 or 15 minutes ago. We were at 20 attempts to their four. And like, you know, it, we we should have won that game, but, but we didn't. So um, the second half, the first half was a lot better than, than the second half. Um, but I really want to talk about Curtis Jones because I, I thought he was really good in the first half. He seemed to have... Um, it was like he had a bit of a free role in front of Ginny and Fabinho, and he got into a lot of good positions. He probably could have scored at least two in the first half had it not been for Pope being really on his game. Um, he was slightly slow on the ball, I thought, and slightly hesitant, but uh, but but I think that will come with time. But overall, I thought he looked really good, and um, really looking forward to seeing him play. You know, any more minutes this season, or, or definitely more. Um, coming into next season. So, yeah, Curtis Jones, good performance. What do you think? Absolutely. And, um, uh, Mando, I'll come to you first. I mean, you kind of spoke about the youngsters and now excited you were to see them. Uh, Curtis Jones, of course, he, he, he got a goal in, in, in the previous game. Um, it was great to see him start. 
to you know to get a start and I I do agree with Nick I thought he played really well I thought both the kids played well but you know the focus is at the moment on Curtis Jones he looked like he really did kind of fit into that midfield really well and he did have a bit more of like a kind of free role and you know he was getting into really advanced positions and you know sometimes the hair was throwing me off because as you all know I don't have the best vision and sometimes I was getting him mixed up for more Salah than I had to look at the shirt numbers but he was getting in really advanced positions I felt like he had this willingness to kind of play the adventurous pass sometimes it wasn't paying off for him but there was absolutely no pressure I felt like the both kids but we'll focus on Jones specifically I thought he handled the situation really well and I thought that balance of midfield was perfect for him uh yeah I mean I think Curtis Jones shows a lot of confidence when he plays he doesn't seem like he's in over his head um the senior players seem to trust him and 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 uh you know, trust him with the ball at his feet. He's a technical player. He's smart. Um, my, the most impressive thing for me is is he finds himself in, in really great positions time and again. Uh, the goal in the last match, uh, you know, to be able to read the ball, to be able to see that the ball is going to be crossed back by Mo on a little header, get himself in that position, nice little finish into the side of the net was really uh, good to see from a player that young. Um and then I thought the start today was well-deserved. He came out playing really well, confident in those positions again, getting those chances, um, not shying away from those chances. And at the same time, uh, you know, uh, to the college point, we did see him get caught on the ball. But that's something that happens with young players, you know. That comes with time, comes with betting into the to the system, betting into – this level of, of opposition and this level of, 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 of play, um, you know, Liverpool and Jurgen demands a lot of these players. So to get the opportunity at that young age really speaks volumes of what kind of player it is. He is the confidence he has. We've seen it before with Trent. Um, we're seeing it again with him, Nico uh, to not take away from, from um, Curtis Jones in any way, shape or form, but I thought Nico Williams was really good. Um, he's played on both flanks. Now we see that, that that's something that could benefit us greatly going forward. If we can really, um, you know, develop him as a player and, and develop his confidence to do what he needs to do in those positions. Uh, he doesn't shy away. He 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 also is adventurous. He also uh, is attacking, attack minded, and, and he's not shy. I think that's the most. Um, I think that's the biggest thing about these players is they're not shy. They feel like they're prepared, and that speaks a lot to the coaching staff and the environment that Liverpool is really building to be able to bring these young kids along. It's something that's really really nice to see. Um, and, and honestly, as a team that doesn't spend a ton of money in the transfer market that we've seen historically in Jurgen's time, uh, we pick and choose where the money goes and, 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 and the players we bring in. Uh, it's really nice to be able to build players up from within. And we're seeing that. Uh, I'm excited to see a little bit of more Harvey Elliott. I'm excited to see uh, a little bit of more of a lot of these young players. And, and um, honestly, Training with the the talent that this team has on a daily basis, training with this senior squad, these players have the opportunity of a lifetime to really, really develop as footballers as long as they're humble and, and want to work hard. And we're seeing that. And this is the, the rewards of their labor. So congratulations to both of them. Uh, they deserve it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe they look at somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold as well, who's not much older than them, but probably look at him as like a massive role model and inspiration thing. Well, if he can do it, maybe we have a shot as I, well. And you know, he's proven kids... there's a pathway yeah. into that first team. He's mm. proven that if you are willing to do the work, you you have the capabilities, you have the talent, and you believe in yourself, you can make it into that first team on a regular basis. Trent is absolutely an example for all these kids. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Justin, I'll, I'll come to you. I mean, you know, just talk to me about what you think of Jones in general, his performance today and, you know, it, the potential of him, you know, like, can we see more of him? You know, because I think we're going to have a lot of games and I think people are really, really excited about him. He's confident. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, the circumstance today is the right circumstance to, to get him a game, right? It's it's a, it, as much as we want the as much as we wanted the record of going nineteen through a 19, through a nineteen game season, having won every single home game, and we want the the points record. Um, you know, th- those are th- the concerns of those versus actually developing Jones longer term, getting him game experience. I, I I defer to the latter. It's a situation that we put ourselves in where we can. Uh, where we can actually afford to give him game time. Uh, now, the circumstance also dictates how you look at how the performance was because he was. I thought he was very. He, he did get caught on the ball a few times, but I thought he was very good. Mm. And Armando pointed out he gets into good positions. Mm. If this game, if there's something riding on this game and the positions he gets himself into, um, one of the things that you can that you you know a criticism you can make of how he played today is that um, he should have scored. Right? He he absolutely he had he had two guilt edge opportunities that he should have scored and he didn't. Um, the fact that the game, you know, the fact that this point does nothing for us one way or the other, um, means it, it doesn't really have meaning, but if this is a game where we're playing the, you know, it, deep in a title race or trying to make, or, you know, God forbid, just trying to qualify for uh, the champions league, you're looking at that and you're, and you're ruining it because he should have scored. So it's great for him to go out and get the experience and show that he belongs at this level. Um, I'm glad that he needs to keep doing, I'm glad that he's, that he's doing that, but, and, and I think he was mostly encouraging. But at the same time, I don't think that uh, grading him on a curve does does much for us, right? We should look at the fact that yes, it is good that he's getting into those positions. That's probably a sign of the process at the club, you know, as far as how how we work in training and fashioning chances that we know how to get players with the ball in those positions. But I think you know the next thing you need to, you need to see, and you saw it against Villa. Um, and so I'm not you know going to demand that he be perfect. Is you know the, the finish, right? And the fact that he didn't finish today, that's something that, you know, was um, uh, one of the reasons that we, you know, we drew this game 1-1 rather than having it out, you know, out of sight. This thing. I, I hear what you're saying. Of course, we know he can score and he did it against um, Brighton. But then I'm sat there and I'm thinking, uh, when I see these kids, I don't know how you guys watch the kids, but I watch them in, in, in a sense of like they're developing and I don't want to put pressure on them because we do have world-class players. <laughs> And there were world-class players on that pitch today who I do consider world-class who should have taken their chances and didn't, you know. And I'm looking at Roberto Firmino and I'm looking at Mo Salah. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. It's, 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 when I say not grading on a curve, I mean I'm going to rate them in the same exact way that I'm going to rate yes. the two of them through this game, which is mm. all three of them, all three of them. I think Sadio had an opportunity. Um, yeah, they all, sh- all those guys should have scored, every single one. This could have easily been a four or five nil, right? All of those guys had opportunities they didn't take. They didn't take them. That's what separates a win from a draw. We haven't done that a lot, right? We usually take enough of those opportunities as to where we win the game. We haven't done that a lot. So I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not you know, remotely upset about it. It just is what it is, which is this is a game we could have won and didn't because we had players not take opportunities. Curtis Jones really did a great job of finding himself into positions where he could have converted to get opportunities. He just didn't convert them. Right. That's, mm. that was the story of his game. It was the story of a lot of people's games, but he, he absolutely played like he belongs with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought one thing that was mentioned also is the midfield balance, the midfield balance of Fabinho, Ginny and Curtis Jones was absolutely perfect because you had mm-hmm. your buncher, your buncher 
they're, they're buzzer cruncher and spreader to take a Simon Brundish uh, terminology. Uh, basically throughout that midfield, right? Ginny was buzzing and Fabinho was doing both the crunching and spreading. It, it was what allowed Curtis to get, uh, to create space um, or to get into those opportunities. So I thought that it was, uh, I thought it was basically worked out pretty well. I think we all pretty much agree. And Nick, I'll, I'll come back to you. You've heard what the lads have said. Um, you know, just um, uh, just get your final thoughts on on Curtis Jones, and you know, just the the prospect of seeing more of him in in a non pressure kind of situation. Because we really, you know, I don't like putting pressure on the kids meant from our mistakes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I feel I, I have to apologise slightly for not being able to provoke a rant from Mando. Um, but there's nothing really to rant about here. Th- things are all good. Yeah. You got one yeah, out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you can yeah, yeah. So so yeah, let's be positive. You know, we've got an exciting future here with like with Jones. We've got Necker Williams, Harvey Elliott, and Rian Brewster to come back. So yeah, the future looks bright. So let's let's be happy about that. It certainly does. You know, can't wait. Let's see more of those kids. Well, um, Nick, thank yeah, cheers. You. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah, always, always a pleasure. And he likes pickled onion crisp, space raiders. So he will be allowed back on this show. Yes. <laughs> Good to know. I'm not the only wronging. We shall see what people make of that. Right, guys, um, if anyone wants to call in, do let us know. I know I know it's a bit of a strange time, but you really shouldn't be out. You know, you should be calling my show. But Mando and Justin, it's just us us three now. So um, I, I guess what I want to kind of um, talk to you about is um, let's kind of talk about um, the the team lineup. Uh, I think what is something that we need to discuss and... Mando, I'll come to you first on this one because, of course, Curtis Jones starts, Nico Williams starts, which was ideal um, given the fact that you know he was subbed off. So it's kind of nice to kind of see him in in his more preferred position. Um, I, I Gags kind of called it with a navigator that he won't start in the game because we're trying to manage his chronic load. So, what did you make of the team lineup? I I'm at that stage where I actually have no qualms. Yeah, I think I think it was a good lineup. I mean, you went with the front three. That's if you expect to get points out of when you play a Burnley with that front three, um, the, the midfield without Henderson, Fabinho's an automatic. Ginny is also pretty much an automatic in this circumstance. And um, to see Curtis Jones, because we're managing Naby Keita's wasn't surprising either. Um, I would I would probably, would in these matches, you know, to wrap up the season, I'd like to see a little bit more of Minamino. I'd like to see a little bit more of, of, of Harley, Harvey Elliott. I'd like to see Agreed. a little bit more of these guys that aren't getting the minutes and, you know, getting them up to the five league matches and getting a, a, a winner's medal. I'd, I'd like that. Um, because ultimately, like to Justin's point, like getting the, the, the points record or whatever, it, it's all it's all great. But, but what does it really do? I mean, you don't get extra trophies for that. You don't get, you know, extra anything for that. It's just your name's in a record book. That's good shit, but like the quality Liverpool has played for the past two years is undeniable. Like mm-hmm. in this two-year span, Liverpool is arguably the best football squad that's that's fucking existed since stats have existed. Like they're dominant, you know. And and so I don't need a points record at the end to say, oh yeah, this is proof of the. I have the proof. I know what they are. I would like to see some of these other players bet in a little bit more, get a little bit more experience, especially with the short amount of time that we're going to have at the end of this year to the start of next season. 
Yes. I would like to see these players just flow, get those minutes, get that repetition, get into game situations against Premier League competition, against the Arsenals, against the Chelsea's. I would love to see Minamino. I would love to see these mm-hmm. other guys get some minutes, get some playing time, get some experience so that when next season starts, we hit the ground running. And this is just an, like an extended preseason, if you will. That's how we should be approaching this. Obviously trying to get the points, obviously trying to win. We're Liverpool. That's the expectation. And I'm not, and we shouldn't feel that playing guys like Minamino or playing some of these sub players or players that aren't automatic in the 11 should be a, a step down. I mean, this is Liverpool. There's a standard. There's a reason these guys are on the team. We should expect them to be able to go in and perform. So I would like to see Jurgen take a little bit more of that approach. Uh, I know he gives players chances. I mean, we see these young guys coming in, so I'm not trying to harp on him too, too much. We're seeing rotation during this time because uh, they're coming thick and fast. But just take the opportunity to get these guys a little bit of a run. It, it would be really nice to see. Um, I think it would help the fans understand what type of players these guys are as well. Um, I think a lot of us aren't too sure still of what some of these guys are really capable of because they've only had short cameos. It would be nice. I, I think it, it would give a lot of them confidence and it would give the fan base some confidence in these players. I like your attitude about treating this like a preseason, but obviously getting the points, uh, that's really good. And I, I, you know, I didn't even think of it like that. And given the fact that I won't be, you know, in, in the Champions League or anything. So, you know, it's it's really important. And I'm absolutely with you with Minamino. I mean, I want to see more of him. And, I, you know, I think he's going to be a crucial player for us next season. And I think where it looks like, I mean, Justin, where it looks like Cater has really kind of like stepped up and he was always a talented player. But, you, you know, since the restart, he's been probably one of the more one of the more informed players with Fabinho. I think Minamino is one that I want to see more of as well. So I want to get your thoughts of, of you know, the lineup and stuff, because I'm pretty sure you're the same as well. You don't really grumble. You just kind of want to see, OK, well, who's being fielded? Because you know there's five subs and Klopp will make those changes. Yeah, no, I don't really complain about lineups too much. After, for this fixture last season, I went viral for complaining about the inclusion of Adam Lallana in the starting lineup due to one particular of the three people in this call retweeting it and getting me, uh, get, getting top reds, uh, you know, sticking on me and not, so, so they couldn't tell sarcasm. Um, not blaming anybody for that, Nina. But, um, I found it hilarious. I'm sorry. I didn't do it to out you in any way, shape, or I, know, I would I never know. do that. I just pissed myself laughing because I knew the journey you had embarked on and who was taken to the field. <laughs> sorry. I, I've had strong feelings of Adam Lallana in the past. I'm glad he got a winner's medal. Uh, but uh, no, it, there's no real reason to complain too much about the lineup at this point, right? He's gonna, the manager's earned the right to try certain things, right? And getting certain players' minutes, I think, is... Something that I'd like to see. In particular, I really wanted to see Minamino start for Bobby at some point. I want to see him played in his natural position with those two to see what he can do. Um, as much as I love Bobby, he looks uh, at the moment like he's a little bit jaded or burnt out. Um, no. He's not really creating a ton. Um, and I mean, he's pressing. The engine's always there. I just feel like, you know, maybe let's just try it. Let's just see something else just to see how, uh, you know, what, who else works with that particular attack. But I think it's also probably obvious if you look at Minamino that he needs to hit the weight room because he seems to be very easily dispossessed. So that feels like something that I think we're going to have to see as Minamino get bigger in order to actually cope with uh, the size of Premier League defenders. But I also just think that seeing, I think that 
I, I didn't expect to see Kada because basically building the chronic load is exactly what we should be doing with him, and he's been fantastic. And I think with Kada and Fabinho, you have to realize they, they're the two of them are about four or five years younger than Henderson and Wijnaldum. So gradually, I think Jurgen is going to try to lessen the minutes on the guys who are older to make the midfield go to to get the younger guys into the midfield because he needs to. That's what he he needs to evolve it from personnel perspective and he needs to evolve how we play and the way in which Fabinho and Keita play is different to the way in which Henderson and Wijnaldum play and the more different things that you can give teams to worry about from a, as a manager the, the better off you're going to be because you don't have to play and you don't have to play um, the same you know just kind of style every single time you have different players who could do different things and you can use that against different teams Absolutely. Yep. Always, always be a threat. And I like, I like the fact that you kind of mentioned the age as well, like the slow transition of those midfielders. Um, I'm with you, Albert. I, I, I do. Uh, I'm with you too. I absolutely love Roberto Firmino, but he doesn't look like himself. And I think he's. I think maybe it's bothering him that he hasn't got his Anfield goal. Um, but I would like to see a bit more of Minamino. Right, guys. Let's kind of talk about that first half. And uh, Amanda, Amanda, I'll come to you because um. I thought we played really well. I thought we looked really in control of that half. We had way more passes. We had more control. I thought the midfield was clicking. It just looked like we we had more shots on goal. We we looked more creative. We looked more confident. I mean, talk to me about the first half. I think I think in the first half, the way we played, we all probably would agree that the outcome would have been inevitable that we were going to get three points there. Um, the midfield balance was great to, to, to you know, point that out again. Uh, it was, the attack was there. All the guys were in the right positions. Um, defensively, we were stout. They we, they didn't give us much to worry about. We had like 80% of the ball. Um, so you would have expected us to, to come away with three points, especially after Robertson's goal. I mean, that was a quality goal. The ball was quality. Uh, it was just, everything about that was beautiful, but, after that, you just felt like it was coming. We had chance after chance early on, and, and you just felt like it, we would blow them out two, three, four goals. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, credit to Nick Pope, for sure. As, as Justin said, he played really well. Um, hopefully, he took uh, Jordan Pickford's job uh, for England because he deserves it. The fact that that's even a conversation is... Pickford's not saving those shots. Let's be no, honest. absolutely not. Pope's easily got six... Pope's easily got six inches on him on the arms. Yeah, We're just talking about for the sure. I mean, look, I, I don't even care. I don't give a shit what England does. That has nothing to do with really, really, you know, it. I, I, I don't care. care, right? But, like, the fact that it's a, it's it's just assumed that Jordan Pickford is the starter for, for the English national team is an absolute joke. I could probably name two or three guys that are, if not better than him, at least on par with him. So it should be a conversation. Uh, but, but other than that, I, I thought we played really well. Uh, I wouldn't have changed anything. I thought the guys came out, had good intensity, had had, had a good style about them. They were confident uh, in full flow. Uh, we should have won. We should have won. We didn't get some decisions. We didn't get some things go our way. That Jay Rodriguez goal, although it's not spectacular, it's a hell of a finish by him going away from the from, from net and being able to put that much pace on it, place it in the side of that. That was credit to him. Um, we're actually lucky that, that, that they didn't score a second uh, when they rattled the crossbar, to be honest. Uh, even though, again, another bad call, it, it looked to me that Allison got shoved in the second half and that, that, that should have, should have been a foul anyway. So, uh, ultimately I, I'm not, I'm not too fussed. I, I wish I could be madder and more entertaining, but I'm, I'm just not. 
I'm gonna need to work on that. But, but you I, know, let me. Tell, I, I will. What I'm not happy about is either of you slandering the good goddamn name of Bobby Firmino. I will not have it. I think he's dreadful. Me, sell him, Jurgen. Sell him. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get a rise I'm out. Not, I'm not gonna have that. That's all. He, I what love him. What isn't he doing? Sands goal. What isn't he doing? Sands the goal today. He fucking hit the fucking the the, the the post. Like what more? Like okay, sometimes you're unlucky, bro. Like fuck, I don't understand. I really don't understand Just the gripe. Uh I mean, he he didn't even really need to press today because he didn't try to use the ball. That like, is that his fault? Is that his fault? It's not his fault, but it's an opportunity to not have to use. You guys are saying shit like he's playing really bad, he's off it, he's atrocious. I, I don't see that. I just think I he's a poor form. doing Bobby Firmino shit on a regular basis. I just don't think he's in particularly great form at the moment because like, the goals and assist numbers haven't been there for a while. Oh, when he's right? letting the ball roll past him against Brighton when he could have had a fucking tap in so that fucking Mo can get an even easier shot, that is fucking peak Bobby Firmino. Like, yeah, somebody. I'm not like, saying that I think he's a good player. That is creative <laughs> in itself, bro. Just because he didn't touch the fucking ball. How many people were snatched in that shit? I just want a small bit of end product from my number nine every so often. Really not that. I'm not saying that I think he's bad. I like the player a lot. I think he's done a ton of things that are amazing for this club. It's just that also he's played a lot of minutes and his legs are kind of rubbery at the moment. And he's like, you know, he's, he's been in better form as a player, as a Liverpool player in the past. To be, guess, to be with you guys, I guess I've joined in on the special part. You are, he's been really calm before this. We just, we, we love Roberto Firmino. Come on, Amanda, you know this. Everybody. He's, he's, uh, That's why I'm even more disheartened by both of you. Oh my God, he's going to take a personal... <laughs> I don't think we we haven't shown enough fealty to Bobby Firmino. <laughs> no, loyalties have shifted, I see. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. We can move on. Move on, Nina. And he did press really well today. You're right. And I felt like he was trying to make things happen. But I think what was really, really frustrating, in my opinion, Justin, I don't know if you agree, I felt like you you kind of highlighted this. We kind of expect this when we play Burnley. They just basically, they just held up a wall. It was a case of parking the bus. So anything that he was kind of trying, so when he's pressing and winning the ball back and trying to play, play a pass, it wasn't working because they were just, there was no space in, in, in the Burnley box. None. You know, I, I would, I want to make a, I want to make a, a, a law in football that like, and like, this isn't real because you, there's no way to institute it. And it's also partially insane. Okay, this but, is not um, just in fantasy football. If a team has under 35% possession, the referee should, should stop the game and immediately try to make them play out from the back. I like, I like fun. I like that. Or maybe what you just said, if they've not had like a shot or whatever you just said, maybe they're only allowed three players in the box. Yeah. 
Like I, it's I just I like fun. I don't like watching. I don't like watching Burnley. I don't like watching Deitch. I don't like watching Poulos. I don't like watching Steve Bruce. I don't like watching any of these guys whose sole managerial strategy is 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 merely the survival of them of their own job at the expense of having a team play like anything that resembles football. It's a crime against the sport. It really is. It's really off-putting as well. It's not great to watch. Uh, Justin, I mean, overall, um, uh, we've kind of spoke about the first half, but let's kind of speak about some of the the key players. And I think one player for me that really, really bossed it was, um, I thought Fabinho was incredible. I felt like, you know, a fair few times he was trying to, like you said, he was kind of like kind of spreading the ball, doing things. He, He had like that whole situation where he was trying to play the lofting pass always trying to get things moving and I love the fact that you know for for us in terms of a defensive midfielder he's done this for so many times where he has just the perfect vision for the pass and you know that ball that ball to Robertson I mean like and the great header as well I mean that's that's just peak that's just peak uh, Fabinho for me it's a fantastic, fantastic play from Fabinho to spot that run, and the, the header is incredible. That's you, you're, you won't. I haven't seen a better headed goal scored for Liverpool since um, Suarez against West Brom, which are from the like the edge of the area. But um, the one thing that I the, the one thing that I notice about Fabinho is that like he reads the game really, really, really well. And typically for a defensive midfielder, there's like three or four different ways of a team attacking that you have to be conscious of to break up play. His job is made easier by Burnley only having one play, which is just lump the ball long because they had Burnley had no pace on any out ball at all through this game. It was literally just pump it wrong to pump it long to Wood or Rodriguez, see what happens. But Fabinho helped out perfectly in those situations. They really got no love or help on that. Like they Burnley didn't really create anything. Fabinho was really instrumental to towards doing that. Now, obviously, they're not Burnley's not really trying to create a ton. But, you know, as far as doing his job from destruction of play, Fabinho did that perfectly. And then he, you know, he really does try that over the top pass quite a bit. Um, And I like it because it's not particularly high risk. The worst thing that happens is it goes out for a goal kick. But if, if and when he connects on it, you're creating a chance. So I love the fact that, you know, one of his methods of, of, of attacking is he's able to find and wait a perfect pass over the top of the defense. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's a, I like um, low risk, high reward passing. It's kind of like exactly what you want when you're trying to create an attacking football is how can I create the maximum amount of opportunities without exposing myself? And Fabinho has gotten really, really good at doing that from really deep, which is, the sign of an extraordinarily intelligent player. He's absolutely intelligent. And Amanda, I'll come to you because uh, for me, he has been one of the key performers since, um, uh, you know, the restart of, of, of the football. And he's incredible. You know, we know he could score a thunder bastard. We've seen it a couple of times this season. Um, I felt like he was a massive miss when he was injured and then he was kind of finding himself. But to me, he looks really good. I mean, what really impressed you about his game today Um yeah, and I mean, what do you, you just think of the play in general? You guys pointed out the pass, and and uh, Dan Kennett tweeted out shortly after the or, or shortly after that pass, he tweeted out um, something to the effect of like in the near future that pass is just going to be known as the Fabinho pass because we're just seeing it time and again over the mm-hmm. top, 
you know, a player making a diagonal run on the edge of the box and waited perfectly. And and and, and the, you know, to Robbo's credit, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal header to get you know a little bit of bend on it, that much, that much power on it, and get it across goal. Credit to him, but. Yeah, Fabinho, he's got it all. You know, like you said, he's got that thunder bastard in the locker. He 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 picks a pass. He's brave defensively. He's really good position wise. He's really good. Um, he knows when to to come forward. He knows uh, when he he should be a little bit more modest. He knows when to foul a player. You know that that that's that's what you need in a DM. He's got a little bit of fight to him. He's got he's got that aggressiveness, that attitude, that confidence. Um, and he's got that Brazilian technical technical skill. You know, he he. He really is a complete player. He's played some fullback in his career, so you you see how much you know he really has in his locker and how many uh, qualities he really has and the intelligence it takes to play. Um, and, and in a style like we play, as gung ho as we are, as a tuck, as attacking as we are, he really is that perfect blend that solidifies that team uh, for me in that midfield. Um, so yeah, it's a credit to him. It's a hell of a, a, a of a find for Liverpool, and it was a hell of a come up to get him. Um, he's worth every penny, and, and and it's no it's no surprise that when he's fully healthy and gets a run of games, that he's one of the first names on the team sheet. For sure, absolutely, he's a massive part of the spine. And you know, while she was talking, I just went onto Twitter and I just saw a tweet from Guy Drinkle, and it made me laugh. And because we're talking about these two players, I feel the need to share this tweet from Guy Drinkle. Um, uh, not at me; he just kind of tweeted it in general. He wrote, "At least Fab is still being a babe, and Robo is sober again." <laughs> Sober Robo is the best Robo. I have some bad news for Andy Robertson, though, and I, and, and I need him to understand that. Because I think he's, he's 26. Um, I'm 38, so you know, obviously there's a 12-year gap between the two of us. Um, Andy, mate, the hangovers only get worse as you get older. <laughs> <laughs> he's not lying, boy. He's not lying. How many days do you need, Justin? I mean, I've never celebrated winning a Premier League, so I I'm not I'm not able to counsel him on that. But yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a solid two day recovery from a hangover. Wow. Wonder how long it took Jurgen then. Actually, you know what? I think he's got beer running through his veins. Jurgen Superman. <laughs> He's, he's, he's good, he's good. Okay, guys, uh, we kind of spoke about uh, Fabinho there, and yeah, I agree. Um, you know what? Uh, such an un- unlikely goal scorer as well in Robbo, so that was pretty awesome. And um, Manda, I'll stick with you. Uh, we spoke about Jones. Let's speak about um, Neco Williams. Um, you know what? It's really, really surreal, right? Because he played left-back against... Brighton and he did well for most parts and I think Jurgen Klopp took him off because he's on a yellow and it was quite scary that he might get a second yellow because he would be sort of targeted so he, he starts today I thought he plays really well in, in his preferred position, he's a right footed player and actually he's, he's a right back, I thought he played really well, I just find the whole situation so baffling that Liverpool have these two very good right backs and you know they're both very young and you're you sat there and you're thinking oh gosh you know like this is getting really exciting and uh, interesting for Liverpool but for me um I thought he played really well um I thought he he handled the role well and it's a player that we're really excited about but at the same time I'm sat there thinking you know like it's you see a lot of young players, and we've seen so many kind of move off to Germany because they kind of feel like they're not getting their chances. I mean, what did you make of, 
you know, his his first half performance because I thought he had some lovely turns, some lovely flicks. He was, again, trying to cross the ball in. Obviously not as confident as Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I'm not comparing the two. But as a whole, I thought he did really well in his naturally preferred position. Yeah, I think he, he he's done really well for himself. I mean, he he likes to cut in a lot on his left foot, which was which was a little bit surprising for me. Um, but it, it shows the confidence he has. Like you said, he had some nice turns, some good flicks. He's p- always looking to pick a pass. Defensively, he's not bad. He doesn't get counted out of position too, too much. He's a little slight, but, I mean, he's a young man, so that that, that can't really be a knock on him at this point. Um, mm. But I really like what I saw. I mean, how long have we been asking for cover on both flanks, right? Yeah. And as long as it doesn't have to be James Milner, as long – you know, I mean, James will work his, his, his socks off and everything for you, but that's not – where you're going to get the most out of James Milner and it's not where James Milner wants to be. And if we could get somebody that's a little bit more natural in those positions and has the ability to play both flanks like Nico Williams, I think it's really important for us to really try to give him an opportunity to play and develop him and give him these chances. So I think it's a really smart play by Jurgen to give him these opportunities uh, with, with an eye for the future. If you can develop him and he can be a serviceable player and, and give you some quality minutes to rest the, the two guys that we really run our whole offensive structure through uh, as our fullbacks, uh, it can only benefit us to save those minutes on those two guys and to give him the opportunity to play, saves us money in the transfer market, all those things, right? It's just a smart play. So I hope he continues to get a a nice little run here in the last three matches. Uh, I hope we continue to see him develop. Uh, I like what I see. I like his confidence. I like the fact that he's not um, uh, timid and he's willing to pick those passes and make those plays. Is he going to get caught out from time to time. Yeah, he's, it's natural. He's a, he's a young player and it's all so coming so fast and new for them. So uh, ultimately though, I think I'm, I'm pretty impressed with him. Um, I didn't know what to expect when we first started to see him or, or come around mm-hmm. the first team, but he's really grown into a player that's becoming pretty reliable for what you expect or need him to do. Absolutely. And he definitely has a bit of needle in him as well, which is what we saw against Brighton, which is why, you know, he he got the yellow card because he did that like three times before the ref was like, you know what, kid, I got a bookie now. Justin, I'll come to you. I mean, I think Mando really, you know, I think Mando's absolutely spot on there. I think, you know, one thing that we have been trying for is, um, you know, cover for the fullbacks. You know, we were always concerned, really worried. And one thing that I... I'm hoping with uh, Williams is that there's just a smooth transition. You know, like when the forwards, when we kind of rotate them and you bring on like Origi, we spoke about this, and there's like a bit of a disconnect. It feels a little disjointed. We're required to play a different way. I I want the creativity from, you know, a player like Nico Williams. I want him to be an output from, you know, from from a fullback, you know, to use his, um, his position to be creative. I kind of don't want to look at, like, when we see James Milner play, he's a, you know, you, you do see a difference in, in terms of how James Milner plays to how Robertson plays. I want it to be like a seamless kind of transition. And I think, you know, the fact that they're both very similar in age, um, I, I thought he did really well today. You, you know, it's uh, Nico, um, James Milner, Milner not, sorry, James Milner is uh, very much a meat and two veg. And, uh, <laughs> Nico Williams is more of like you know you, you've gotten you've, you know you've gotten something with a little bit of spice on it maybe like jerk chicken and fried plantains. Um, you know here, yeah, you know in this country, meat and um, meat and two veg has a very different. It's it's quite rude. Really, it's kind of, it's kind <laughs> of describing the male genitalia. 
that actually makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> For in, in a which in, in is the why I in the U.S., meat and two veg is like, uh, I don't know, like the most boring meal you can ask for. Like, you know, you go to like a, uh, I don't know if it's still around. I don't, I don't know, Armando, if you've seen one in the last like 10 to 15 years. It's got to be someplace. But uh, like, that's the meal you get when you go to Boston Market. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. yeah. But uh, no, it's like, you know, it's, you know. Nico, Nico's got a little bit of spice to his game. Um, he, first off, one thing he one thing that he, he definitely tries to do is cut inside. He really wants to score a goal for us. That's something that I think is very obvious because mm. he's not afraid to let to let it fly. Um, I think the one thing that'll come into his game is that you know, I, I it, it's um it's the thing that Trent had to learn right, which is. He want Nico wants to make things happen, which is what you want out of a creative outlet. A creative outlet like the way in which we use our right backs, but he's less patient about it than Trent, and uh, that's just the, that. That's the thing that comes with experience, right? Expecting him to have that, uh, you know, in his second Premier League start is um, is something that you uh, you know it, it, it's a tall order to ask for. But he looks like he could really do a job for us. He looks like he'll be able to take some of the stress off of Trent's legs. Um, I still think, you know, Trent's still, a, you know, one, one of the best right backs, if not the best right back in the world. So they're really, 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 really big boots to fill. But he's, do- he's doing an admirable job doing it. Um, I, I think defensively, there, there was really not a ton that we learned about him today because of the way Brighton, I'm mean, sorry, the way in which uh, Burnley attacked, he wasn't really tested. Against Brighton, um, I don't think he was particularly great defensively. Um, I do think that also he wasn't well protected. Yes. Um, today, today he absolutely was, you know, even in the situations where they did try to go down that side of the pitch, he was significantly better protected by Fabinho um, than, uh, you know, by Fabinho than uh, Ox. Than Ox, than Ox was for, for mm-hmm. uh, Nico Williams, because Ox gave him no protection defensively against Brighton. So I think, you know, it was, it's encouraging. He, um, he definitely, uh, didn't make us, you know, we weren't at a loss for the quality of chances being created down his side of the pitch, um, which is really all you can ask for. Absolutely. I'm really excited about that kid. Um, let's, let's hope we see more of him in, in the future. I mean, Guys, uh, for me, I thought the first half we looked very much in control. It looked really good. It looked like it was meant to. Um, I think you know we we like you've both said, and Justin, I'll stick to you. I thought we could have we could have walked away from that half being three nil up. You know, we had some chances, and you know, you spoke about some of uh, the Nick Pop saves there. I mean, he, he produced one great one, and I think it was off um, it was off Mo Salah, right? The right foot uh, mm. off Salah's right foot, where he gets yes. the full where he gets the full stretch early in the yeah. game, and. Armando, I will be really nice about this one. It was a fantastic touch from Bobby Firmino to get the ball to Mo Salah. That's right, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't do anything. There's no creativity there. I'm not saying. No, no. (laughs) No, no. Don't backpedal now, sir. Nobody's backpedaling. You're creating a straw man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Nick Pope was good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's very, he's very good. He's very good. He had eight saves today. 
He's he, he's exactly what that keeper with that team needs. He's a keeper who that stays save, on his line and does goal line area stuff. That save on Mane too after Mo's ridiculous touch that will probably get lost in the shuffle in today's match. But uh, after that play, when 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 Sadio bulleted with his left foot, that was an incredible save too. I mean, yeah, credit where it's due. It was really really good, and um, yeah. You know what? Actually, there is something I want to talk about with Mo Salah in that in, in this game, right? Because I think this is something that it, it doesn't get mentioned enough, and the uh, I, I really just want to see the Salah selfish narrative die. But um, Mo Salah was probably our most creative passer in in, in the first half of that game, and yeah. he wasn't solely looking for his own shot. And this is a guy who's going after a golden boot, right? He actually he was very much looking to get other people involved. And it didn't matter who it was. If he found someone in a better position, he actually generally was passing the ball today. So that's something that he does more often than not. And I think that that's, uh, I, I just think that the Sala is a selfish player narrative crap and needs to go. He's a very talented attacking player and he creates opportunities for himself and others. Really should just be how he's described all the time. Absolutely. I, I think it's just a, a really horrible narrative that goes around, oh, you know, he's selfish. But but then on the flip side to that, like, you know, you you just kind of highlighted, but Mando, I mean, I know this pod is a little bit everywhere. Why not? It's me. I'm producing. It's it's on me. But, like, which striker isn't selfish? I, I know you're going to say Bobby Firmino when he kind of just, you know, steps back and lets Mosala take the goal against their Brighton. But, you know, as a whole, like, every striker fancies themselves. Like, that's what they you do. Want that. You want that. Yeah. You want that confidence. You want that person, that ability to be like, yeah, I'm going to go out here and take this shot yeah, and, and trust himself and, and, and have the confidence in himself to, to nail those shots. That's what you want. Like, yes, there's, you want him to play with his head up. Yes, you want him to be aware of where his teammates are, if there's better opportunities, of course. But if, if, if he feels that he has the opportunity to score these goals, the dude has golden boots in his locker. The dude is consistently fighting for these golden boots. He, he's, he's been involved in 100 goals for, for Liverpool. Like, this guy is, is, is a phenomenal, phenomenal player and talent. And I think the same could be said for Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane... They, they mirror each other so well, in my opinion, in the way that like they're selfish. They expect a lot out of each other. And at the same time, they're consistently looking out for each other. Yeah. Bobby Firmino, he's not your typical number nine. So he is a lot more unselfish than these guys. He, yeah. he, he doesn't snatch at chances as much. He's looking for players with his heads up. He, his hold up play is great. He's consistently looking for the runs. He's creative, the back heels and all the things that we see and enjoy from him, the no look passes and all those things. Bobby Firmino is rarely going to score a screamer for you. That's not the game he plays. But it's not because he lacks confidence. It's because he has a different role in the team. These other two guys score screamers. They score really impressive goals. They, for me, they, Bobby, they, for me, they, knows the intelligence. I, I always call him the brain of them two. Like, he is the smart player. He will pick out that pass. He's got that vision for it. For sure. And and he puts these guys in these positions, even when yeah. he's not involved in the play directly, mm-hmm. he's dragging defenders wide. He's doing things to clear space yes. for these guys, even with the goal here. I mean, when, when, when Mane today had the opportunity to, to, to score with his left boot and, and Nick Pope made the save. If you see Bobby Firmino in that play, he is moving out of the way and getting his body in front of defenders to not be able to get 
in front of that ball. That is intelligence. That is a, 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 a player that understands, you know, how small, you know, opportunities are and how small the difference is between a goal and not a goal and the things you need to do. All these players are really smart. It's a credit to them all. They know the system well. These three guys have like one brain in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the selfishness is something that you need. Daniel Sturridge was selfish, and that's what made Daniel Sturridge one of the deadliest strikers in England when he was healthy. You know, Luis Suarez, there's nobody in this fucking world that's more selfish than Luis Suarez, and rightfully so. He's a guy. Oh, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a far more selfish guy who plays striker in the English Premier League right now than Luis Suarez. Yeah, go. Harry Kane. Yeah, no shit, bro. But, like, that's not necessarily his fault. That's just the way that team has been constructed forever. Is like give the fucking ball to Harry and let him do what he has to do. It's like when you used to watch the fucking Bulls play. It was like, okay, Jordan's got the ball, get out of the way. Well, not, not to take a, a shot at Spurs, but I'm going to take a shot at Spurs because that's not going to work anymore because Harry Kane's ankles are hamburger meat. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take you back to like a throwback. You kind of spoke about selfishness, but wasn't it the game at Turf Moor where Sadio Mane got very angry at Mo Salah for not passing him the ball? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and and, and, and the, that, you know, that was really funny because the media made that out to be a story for weeks. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that like, Klopp had them up. I think Klopp basically just had them both talk it out over the course of like the day after. Um, Like, I I think that there's like this manufactured thing between like this manufactured competition between Mane and Salah, where if they don't show that like they're, you know, best friends, the media is going to try to sit there and act like there's a wedge. Like, Mm -hmm. from everything I can see, it doesn't seem like they're particularly close friends, but they still function perfectly well together on pitch. So, who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, who gives a shit is right. Who gives a shit? Yeah, it's it's working well. And as as Mando pointed out, uh, you know, Mosala kind of you know that beautiful turn plays in Sadio Mane, and then of course he gets his shot saved by that damn goalkeeper. Guys, let's kind of. I mean, like the second half. I mean, we we saw um. Jurgen Klopp make the subs and he brings in the senior players. So you see, you know, Naby Keita come on. And then, of course, um, uh, Trent comes on for, for the kids. So it's pretty much like a full 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 team, effectively. Um, of course, we know Henderson's out. But, you know, the, the the team that you kind of expect. And we kind of concede. And it's just like, oh, God. And kind of annoying, really frustrating. I think people, I think Robertson was playing somebody on side, which is why it kind of stood and it was legit, but it was just, it happened right after the drinks break, I believe. Um, I just think, you know, it's so annoying because the players aren't naturally switched on and, you know, you saw Burnley there take advantage of a situation. They get their goal and for me as a whole, and Justin, I'll come to you first on this, I think they were kind of talking about this on on my um on my commentary, and they kind of said, "Well, that free kick shouldn't have technically happened to begin with. That was a poor decision because you know I think it was that free kick was for because they thought Morsala and Sadio Mane were offside. Both were both were onside, but like... both were onside. Yeah, so it was like, well, the build up to that was wrong anyway. I mean, it was a game of piss poor officiating. We missed a lot of chances." 
But the officiating today was pretty, pretty horrendous. And there was probably about three or four instances where you kind of sat there and you're thinking, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, the only time that the only thing that they've actually made correct with VAR is that they now actually have gotten offsides to a point where they are completely and totally technically correct every single time when it results in a goal. But that doesn't mean that they get every other offsides right or wrong. And you know, uh, it's not it, it's uh, it's a bad offside decision, but we probably still still should have been uh, tuned on. And I don't. It's for the first time, I guess in. I don't know, 18 months, right? We played we, the, the, you know, I, I basically trace back Liverpool's dominance in the league to the game against Burnley last season. Cause that's where we started the first, the first of our long winning runs. I think we went 18 games, uh, 18 games straight off of that. And then we went on another long winning run. Uh, but basically since, you know, since then for the first time, it, you know, basically since that Burnley game, we had a lead and we didn't kill off the game. Um, which is something that we have done with you know regularity since then. So, yeah, we switched off. Yeah, it's annoying, but it, it's not like there's a ton of evidence of us doing that for long periods of time where that's really going to you know become an unsettling pattern. No, for sure, for sure. And what about you, Mando? Uh, we will have a caller after this. Mando, what did you make of um, you know? just that decision. I mean, I think momentarily we kind of switched off because of the drinks break. I feel like I don't mind the drinks break. I actually, no, I have a, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Klopp really likes it because, of course, he can kind of instruct the players and, you know, the players get hydrated. It makes complete sense. For me, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it kind of, to some degree, reminds me of, like, sports day where you kind of stop for drinks. That's the vibe that I get from it. But as a whole, that's, you know, that's where it all kind of started. We make the subs. The ref pulls up for something that was was a wrong call. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah, I, I think all in all, the level of officiating across the Premier League is pretty trash. Um, across world football, to be honest, um, the level of consistency isn't there. What you would expect at at, at uh, with so much at risk and so much on the line for these teams and clubs, um, but. Yeah, things don't usually go our way. It's a call like that shouldn't really happen. Like it's pretty unacceptable. Um, it seems like it's nothing in the course of the game, but then when something like that happens immediately thereafter, then it becomes a big deal. But we see decisions like that happen in almost every single match, every single week. Like it's just bad. Um, but but it's not. But that's not the reason we didn't win today. Ultimately, the reason we didn't win today is because we didn't. We weren't clinical enough in front of goal like that's that's literally the only reason we didn't win today. Mm-hmm. the xg will tell you that right so we could sit here and say yeah this that and the third there was some terrible calls there's regularly terrible calls we don't get penalty calls it's just the way it works but we should have been more clinical we should have been more, more have more of a killer instinct and we didn't we switched off for a second immediately after the water break and it cost us and that's just the way the way it goes uh you know i'm not too fussed about it, but we kind of should have just done better. So they, sh- we should be frustrated with ourselves more than a, a simple decision like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we're like three nil up and we've taken the chances in the first half, that goal is nothing. You know, it's merely a consolation. I do believe we have another caller who wants to talk about Jurgen Klopp and the refs. It's Chris Singh. You there? Hey, Nina. Can you guys hear me? You sound perfect. Great to have you on the show, Chris. 
Oh, glad to be back on. It's been a while. I think my last call-in was the Everton game back in December. But I did have a quick question about Klopp and the refs in general. Uh, time and time again, we see throughout the season, like uh, teams like Burnley and other lower sides, consistently fouling us, fouling us in the box, fouling our keeper. I think Allison was at least, was like grabbed onto at least two, three to four times, I think this game, um, when Burnley had their corners. And then you had the incident with Robbo. And um, as you guys mentioned earlier, Salah being rugby tackled in the box, basically. Do you guys think Klopp should go off on the refs and the officiating in his post-match conferences? Um, Given that we've already wrapped up the title, I think he should personally go off on the crap officiating on how Salah gets nothing. And when United players go down in the box with like a little toe tap or they kick their own feet, they seem to get another penalty. Um, So what do you guys think about that? I personally think he should just take the fine or the one to two match ban and just, just lay in on them because I think it would benefit us in the long run because it's kind of ridiculous. I know, English officiating is really fucking shitty in the Premier League, but it's getting old now to watch this consistently, week in, week out. Yeah, and what really pisses me off is opposition fans will tell you that Liverpool won it because of the refs and VAR and all this nonsense, you know, the false narrative. And Justin, I'll come to you because, you know, we're freestyling on this podcast and we're kind of making our rules ourselves. What would you do for your Jurgen Klopp in that situation? I mean, it's a solid point from Chris. I mean, like, he's literally got nothing to lose if he does take a match ban. But, you know, should he call out the refs? I mean, what would you do in that instance? Because I think Chris, and I think, you know, we've kind of highlighted that, you know, um, Alisson got fouled for that corner. He got blit- It was a blatant push. Can't believe it wasn't given. And, you know, Robertson should have, you know, got something, didn't get anything. I mean, where do you stand on this? Because we're getting really, really sick and tired of it. And if someone doesn't speak out, will it get better? I'm kind of two minds on it because mm. you did, you do have the uh, the fact that the, the uh, PGMOL in the middle of this week went out and said that they got all three VAR calls wrong in, in the matches, right? So I think it's getting to a point where even they know that they're doing an awful job. Um, <laughs> like, at this point, they're self-conscious of the fact that they're just not good at what they're doing. Um, I, 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 I get it because, like, you know, obviously Armando and I are both big baseball fans, and one of the things that baseball managers will occasionally do um, to fire up their team the efficacy of which I don't really know. I just think that, you know, it's, it's like, a, you know, just like people think that it gives you an emotional lift, but there's no real way to quantify it. It's like a, a manager will go up, argue at the home plate umpire, get rung up and get tossed. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, the, the Bobby Cox special. But uh, basically, um, there's, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to do. I don't know what it'll accomplish, even though I think that... Uh, he might come across really bitter and salty as well. He might come across really bitter and salty. And I, I've had like a, a thing against Liverpool managers trying to take these kinds of shots ever since the Rafa facts rant. Um, so like, I don't know. It makes me like, I get, I, I, it's not like, I think that Chris is actually wrong here. It's just not how I like, it's just not how I would like to see it handled just because I've got a real negative taste in my mouth about the last time a Liverpool manager went up against the entrenched power in the Premier League. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel worse if the things that were happening to us weren't happening to other teams, uh, because they are, it seems like the only team right now that really shouldn't complain about anything is United because they are 
clearly loved by the referees. But I just don't know why I get it. I don't. I don't know what getting suspended will really accomplish at the moment. Fair point. And interesting, Amanda, your thoughts on this? I mean. I like the fact that Justin did bring up, you know, the facts ran and stuff. I mean, where do you stand on this? Where do you sit on this? Because, I mean, does Jurgen Klopp just kind of say to his players, does he, I mean, does he go up against the refs and the establishment or does he just kind of say to his players, go out there and fucking deliver because you're not going to get anything on that pitch? Does he kind of build a siege mentality with his players that is you, you've just got to do it because you're not getting any help from these officials? I mean, I think a little bit of that because we don't see... Liverpool players go down that easily. You know, most Salah's in the box, and I mean, he goes down, don't get me wrong, but it's not as soft as a lot of other teams, or like mm-hmm. even like Bruno Fernandes, for example. Uh, there is, you know, usually contact there. There is a reason. There is something to warrant, you know, at least a look. We're not even getting a look at VAR half the time. Um, so that's frustrating. I, I would like, I, I would not like to see Jurgen go to the media or in a post-match interview or, or or something like that in that capacity. I think what Jurgen does is pretty solid. I mean, when he's upset, you see him going at the fourth official. He's going at him. There's no, there's no, nothing uh, secret about that. Um, it's very straightforward. It's for everyone to see. Even today after the match, he had a go at the official uh, with, with Robbo. I saw them having a conversation. It wasn't a friendly one. I think that's the way he should probably go about it is just to let these referees personally know his personal disgust with their performance and let them know that they're trash to their face. Um, mm. Going to the media isn't really going to solve too, too much. It might, you know, backfire. I understand the concept of it and to bring attention to it and to highlight it, but I, it's already brought to attention. It's highlighted. This is a, an issue and a problem that to Justin's point, everybody sans United is having. Um, it's just not consistent enough. It's not quality enough. It's not good enough. Um, if it, it, you know, if he was going to get a red card off the, off the sideline and really, really go off, I wouldn't have too much of a problem with that. I guess um, if it was really warranted and really necessary. Uh, but you know, in a game like today, in a match like today, where you can only blame yourself ultimately because you knew that you were the better side, you knew that you had more opportunities. Mm. Jurgen's not a fool. You know, he's going to defend his players and he's going to have a go at the ref at the end of the match because, you know, his players feel strongly about it. He saw it. He has eyes. He knows what the issue is and he'll address it. But to sit there and make it a spectacle and make it the whole highlight of the game and say, hey, this is the reason we lost. That's A, not true. B, it wouldn't look, it's not a good look for us because we have a higher standard than that. We know that we should beat teams of that quality. We don't need help per se, with a call or by an official or or whatever. Yeah, we don't need to be handicapped and we don't need to be, uh, you know, we don't need to give the other team free opportunities that they don't deserve either because of poor uh, poor calls. But at the end of the day, we had the opportunity to win far and above uh, what that scoreline dictates. And it wasn't. And sometimes that's the way it goes. And that's the way football is. Sometimes the results don't merit the... Uh, or sometimes the uh, performance doesn't merit mm. the results, and I don't think either team merited a draw. Uh, Burnley deserved to lose. We deserved to win, and the draw is kind of what happened. Neutral, we met in the yeah. middle, we shook hands. Shit you happened. know, there's another. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's another thing that I want to bring up on this point too, though. That doesn't also feel like it would be a particularly Klopp action, right? Like it doesn't feel like that's like kind of true to his personality. He's very much like our like Mondo said. He'll he'll give it to the fourth official. During time but he seems to be a person who is very much in the moment and doesn't get too far beyond being very caught up in the moment and then moves on i'm sure i'm sure that klopp might i'm sure that you know 
maybe we're and maybe we're doing this, maybe we're not. Maybe we're showing video to the Premier League of these are all things you're missing. And I think a lot of clubs do this. I think a lot of clubs probably sit there and show to the league this is when you've missed something that affected me, right? I, I think that you know probably doing it subtly makes the most sense, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot of that kind of activity of you know this team spent a lot of money on film going to the league and saying here's all these times you were unfair to me uh, and and it means to work the- it's only working for one club at the moment, which means that it's going wrong. And I think if you're, I think if you're a team in the lower portion of the table or you're fighting relegation or these these things really impact decisions or impact you financially whether you stay up in the league or go down those they have a bigger gripe than you're getting you know what i mean like they had two fortunate ones right where you know the ball was over the line and you know they got i think the first game was sheffield united and they had one last week i can't think who think but villa have been quite lucky with um you know the officiating of the ai it's just been utterly pointless and uh, in in some regard i mean it's not a perfect system them, obviously, you know, you know, but it's not in goal line technology. Clearly, it's not perfect either. Because it's not a perfect system that that's never going to be. It's part of what makes it, you know, football beautiful too. Is there's a human element there, like. It's the goddamn act, right? But like, it's part of it, like. And, and everybody goes through it and to go through it with the media and to go and make it a big spectacle and shit isn't the way we should be doing it. Like we're top of the table with the champions of England and it would seem really petty at this point. Yeah, I think to do that, I mean, of course I come to you, I mean, to do that just put a point there, it goes, within, I, I completely agree with you, you know, it's almost like they're trying to cock it up on purpose and they're already defensive about the criticism of the refs. Um, uh, the criticism that the refs get. If Klopp piles on uh, on the refs, um, it could come and bite us on the arse next season. Yeah, it could be like that whole like kind of unconscious kind of bias where, yeah, you win, you want too much, you ain't going to get anything. We could effectively kind of fuck ourselves over there. Chris, I'll come to you. You've heard what the lads have said. Get your thoughts. They kind of made some uh, baseball analogies as well. I'll let you have the final say on this. All right. Yeah, Um what uh, Mondo and Justin said made sense. I don't think back to what Justin said about us being perceived as bitter. I don't think we'd be perceived as bitter, even though, you know, the media might try to spin it that way. But the fact that Klopp gave us the league and now he's bring quote unquote, hypothetically, if he did bring it up, I don't think it would be perceived as bitter. I mean, we already won the league title. I think he's like bringing, he would be bringing to light like an issue like, Hey, you guys said Salah's a diver. Salah's not a diver. He's getting com- clearly being fouled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's um, your system is crap, which uh, I I get. <laughs> but I don't think he we would be seen as bitter. And I love the uh, baseball analogy. I'm a born and raised Yankee fan. Sorry, Justin. Sorry, Mondo. Um, and I think it was last season or a couple of seasons ago, uh, Aaron Judge the Yankees right fielder kept getting these like ridiculous strike calls because he's abnormally large. He's like six foot seven and Aaron Boone just like went off and got ejected from the game. And he went off on a press conference too. And it kind of 
spurred on the team a little bit and it helped a little bit. But I, I know two different sports, you get two different reactions. But I I, I get it that, um, you know, it's not Klopp's, in Klopp's personality to, you know, go out and go off on a rant. But I feel like if he did bring it up, it would be justified. And it's not just um, this game. I get it because, like, we missed some clear-cut chances. Our finishing wasn't clinical, and Pope was stellar today. I'm not going to take that away from him. But um, if he wanted to just bring it up in general, I think he would be okay and justified in doing that because we've been dealing with crap decisions for, like, years on end. So that's that's what I was trying to get across. I think if you bring it up in the off season, in a conversation or in preseason camp, in a conversation as like overall the quality of officiating isn't this that or the third and have like clear examples, like a fucking list of it. Sure. Yeah. That can go over pretty well. Cause you have facts and you have data and you're in a calm state or a calm situation and setting. But not after just, a game basically. Right. But not, yeah. not after a match. Absolutely. Not even fucking on Monday. You know what I mean? Cause then you're still, it has to be like, okay, throughout the season, look at this. All these examples were bad. It's clear. No one's arguing that. Facts are facts. We just need to improve the quality. You know, the players work too hard. There's too much on the line for relegation clubs, for clubs fighting for promotion, Champions League spot, revenue. There's a lot of things on the line for these simple decisions to go wrong time and time again. That is a different conversation we're having. And I could see that Mm -hmm. happening, Chris. And I think that that's not even necessarily a bad idea or a good idea. It could help, but it couldn't hurt. But to do it after a game, to do it in the midst of like, you know, especially as how passionate Jurgen is, to do it after a match, it could come off a little salty, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. I come off as salty all the fucking time. We'll live. But it's just one of those things that I think in the right setting, it could work. Maybe after the season, you know, uh, right now, I don't think it matters from here to the end. Um, Just it is what it is. Just write it out. It's done. That and I just fucking hate Burnley. <laughs> I just have to throw that, that, seems well to that seems to be the theme today. Believe it or not. Horrible team, horrible team. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your call. Really, really good discussion there as well. So really appreciate that. Oh, thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Okay, so that was Chris Singh. Um, uh, probably our last caller because we are going to wrap thing, things up. Guys, I mean, it's... We've been on for quite some time, so um, I'm just going to wrap up. Is there any um, final thoughts from the game that you kind of want to get off your chest before we move on to plugs? Uh, Justin, I'll come to you. Any observations? Any thoughts? I, I, it's one thing. Just someone put Sean Dyche on trial at the, uh, like, I guess, whatever the equivalent of the Hague is for sports for what he does to Man, I just think he needs strepsils. I just can't get over his voice. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just too much. Uh, what about you, Justin? I mean, Mando. Uh, nothing. I got nothing. I think we covered basically all of it. Um, there's, you know, just look forward to the next three matches, see what comes of it, uh, and, and look forward to next season, and hopefully we could repeat. I mean, that's really where my brain's at. Absolutely, and these games are coming so fast that you don't. I don't have time to kind of like register what's happening. I still not come to terms with the fact that we're champions. I think it'll only, it'll only kind of stay in my head once I actually see us lift the trophy. Like I, I, I know we're champions, but it just feels very surreal. 
Well, guys, uh, this is the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to our callers and everyone that joined live. A massive thank you to Justin and Mando. But before I let them go, I'm going to get some plugs. Justin, I'll come to you first. Anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Rolls on Shabbos. And uh, listen to the U.S. pod. Um, we uh, unfortunately weren't able to have a Joey on, but we, uh, we, 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 you know, our, our, our last bit of substitution is Scott Chandler went went out and performed wonderfully. Um, so yeah, give us a listen. Do give them a listen, and it was an awesome pod. Really enjoyed it, and I love the title of the pod as well. You know, um, really good stuff. Do check out the US podcast, M- Mando. What about yourself? Where can people find you on Twitter and anything you'd like to plug? I know you were on the US pod, obviously. Uh, yeah, just find me at Armando Angulo twelve. Um... You know, yeah, everything Justin just said, I have a lot of fun talking to those guys. You know, we've become a little bit of a family, so it's a lot of fun getting together with those guys, especially as champions after uh, so many episodes of not being champions. It's a good change of pace. You know what? It's um, it's a good change for all of us. Right, guys? Um, uh, do follow both of these guys. For my part, just keep it locked on AI. There's so much awesome content. The USA podcast, this one, there's going to be more free content coming your way also on ai pro some excellent stuff raw pod will be out I'm sure there'll be an under pressure podcast Molby even there's just so much great content coming your way scouted rival recon all those awesome podcasts also check out ai shop we have got some awesome awesome merchandise there a massive thank you to all you guys that have been supporting us and helping us along the way as well buying our stuff really really liking the designs we really really appreciate your your support from Oh, um, Justin, oh my God, man of the match. Let's do it. So, yes. Someone's got someone's to hold that to, to out there. Nick Pope is the man of the match. That's it. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, that's, I'm fine. You're not that. giving it to a Burnley player. Fuck that. If that's the case, then I'm closing the show off. It's got to be a Liverpool player. Well, then shut it down. Well, then shut it down, you know, because Nick Pope was the man of the fucking match. I'm shutting it down. Just I'm shut it down. Be... Just shut it down. <laughs> Chris said Fab. I'm going to give it to Fab. Uh, him or Robbo. Uh, yeah, I'm not torn either way. One of the two of them. All right, we'll let Mando have the final say. If you say Pope again, you're really done. I'm going to send you a lifetime supply of pickled onion crisp. Roberto Firmino was the man of the world. <laughs> he sounds like me circa 2016. I love it. Not 2016, 2017, 18, whenever. But yeah, that's um, okay. So Roberto Firmino. Right. Okay, guys. Uh, that's That was the Nina Council Show. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, take care. Look after yourselves. Stay at home and up the reds. Podcast Network.